from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. Leave comments. Hit the likes. All that kind of fun stuff. Shout out to Tennessee Volunteer Twitter who uh, discovered our YouTube page and wanted to like act like we're big Duke fans, Joe. Like, cry. Oh, were they going to try to act like they were basketball fans? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Curious. So there there were there was a few there were a few comments in our conversation about Duke's end of the season. It was like, cry. I was like, okay, cool. Didn't realize Tennessee was about that life now in basketball, but hey, man, it just means more in the SEC. Just means more in the SEC. Speaking of meaning more, does tonight mean more, Joe? For the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. It feels like game eight to me, right? The Rangers eliminated the Canes in game seven. Second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs last year. This is just a carryover. This is a playoff-like, right? I love it. It's playoff-like games. I just set off the bat signal to Alec Campbell and Adam Gold. Shout out to Alec Campbell, uh, who used to work here. He used to do Stonewatch and Aftermath, Adam's producer. Uh, they, the, those two absolutely those are the hill. hated. That is the hill they will the absolutely I- die on. The idea that these were playoff-like atmospheres or playoff-like games or a playoff preview. But here's the thing about the Carolina Hurricanes. And welcome, folks. Well, welcome onto the bandwagon. Now that the for real, for real basketball season has ended in the triangle after a, dupe, a, like a just brutal double whammy with North Carolina and Duke in the NCAA tournament yesterday. We'll talk to Kelly Gramlich about that. Uh, she was on the Duke game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. We'll talk to her about that in a little bit. But all, all jokes aside, all trolling of Alec Campbell and Adam Gold aside about playoff-like atmosphere or playoff-like games or playoff previews or game eight, that's kind of what this week is because the Carolina Hurricanes are not free and clear in the division like they were the last couple of years. The Eastern Conference, based on the season as a whole and what we saw leading up to the trade deadline, teams got better. So the Carolina Hurricanes, with two games in hand right now in the Metro, uh, need to just kind of show that they're hitting this particular stride as they're getting ready to go in the playoffs. They also haven't beaten the Rangers this year, which is a weird quirk, but it just hasn't happened. They haven't beaten the Rangers this year. And the Rangers are also destroying people right now. So it might it might behoove the Carolina Hurricanes to kind of, you know, set the tone a little bit. The Rangers were also the team who was the most active yes. in my opinion at the trade deadline adding two major pieces. So, listen. This is a, this is one of the it, in my opinion it's a test. Yes. Right? Yeah, of course it's not the playoffs. It doesn't count towards the game count of the playoffs. I get that part. But you will see the team again. Mm-hmm. And you want to have um confidence that you can beat that team, particularly in the Hurricanes case, you know, they lost last year to the Rangers. Mm-hmm. You want to know that when you see them again, you have confidence that you can handle them and you know what they're about. So the Carolina Hurricanes are at 98 points. They're atop the Metro division. That's just one point better than the New Jersey Devils. But again, they've got two games in hand against the Devils. They also have two games in hand against the Rangers, who are, are sitting at 92 points. And they've been on a little bit of a, of a streak here. They're seven, two, and one in their last ten. Uh, again, the Carolina Hurricanes. I guess it's because of the Andre Svechnikov news. Uh, it's you know how has Peter Kochekov and Freddie Anderson looked 
uh, over the last couple of weeks that might be leading to a you coming off of basketball, you trying to get into ca- casual hockey fan mode, and wondering why Carolina Hurricanes fans seem somewhat down on where the team is right now. It's understandable why they feel that way. Uh, to me, it actually starts all the way back to the trade deadline. You're coming off the high of the stadium series, all right? And it's not just the stadium series game, by the way. It was the two weeks in that time period. It was leading up to it, and it was after the fact, where they didn't look like they were cooling off. All these big moments, they stepped up. And to me, I, I thought that was a great sign for the Carolina Hurricanes, that this team wasn't getting too up, it wasn't getting too down, they weren't letting the moment get to them, whether it was a Cam Ward retirement night, whether it was the stadium series, or it was the, e- the easy letdown game after that. They kept rolling. But I think it's the, it's the Svechnikov injury in combination with the lack of, quote-unquote, lack of moves that occurred at the trade deadline that have some Canes fans a little bit eh. And they're not so enamored with the idea that this Canes team is in a position to win the Stanley Cup, even though that everybody who's watched the team and everybody who's confident in the team understands that great players or not, they have their expectations, they have the way that they want to play, and they trust that this is going to be good enough to essentially outwork another team and win a series. And if defensively they can keep that intensity, like we saw against Tampa Bay a couple weeks ago, or, or what was it, two weeks ago? It was around ACC tournament time. Kids' night. That the kids' night was a fun night. Kids' day. Sorry. If if they can, if that's March, how they're going to March fifth, they March six zero, and they didn't get a shot in the second period. Look, it was a game of keep away. If if that's how they're going to play defensively throughout the entirety of the playoffs, then yeah, I'm going to like the Carolina Hurricanes' chances. But you and I both know, Joe, that's very very difficult to do uh, on a night in night out basis. Yeah, you probably steal a game here, steal a game there, but this is going. We're going to tread carefully, and since you're on the bandwagon now, get used to it because Sidney Lowe is going to going to say it all year. Man, <laughs> your best players have to be your best players. Yeah, and I think with Sebastian Ajo and Marty Natchez, that you know they've really kind of driven the bus this year for the Canes, in my opinion. And you might be thinking, Marty Natchez wasn't he the guy last year? Didn't have a contract. Young guy struggling. He couldn't score. Couldn't hit water from a boat. Well. He's had quite a bounce back season for the Canes this year, and and hopefully, you know, those are the kind of guys who will play well enough in the playoffs that you look at and you go, okay, you can absorb the loss of Svechnikov. You can you can absorb, you know, not really ever having Max Pacioretty, who they went out and got from Las Vegas over the over the mm-hmm. all, over the weekend over the off season, and you know he was supposed to come back around that All Star Olympic break and be like, oh, okay, he's back, and it's like, oh, winter break, I guess they call it now. Yeah. So. That's Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. The OG, if you miss anything from today's show, check it out on the YouTube channel. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button. We got Stormwatch tonight, hosted by Adam Gold. Then the game, Aftermath immediately following the game. And then check out the Canes Corner Podcast, brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Don't forget, hockey has that weird playoff setup now where if they win the division, the, the Canes, mm-hmm. then you play one of the wild card teams. Yes. But if you finish second in the division, you play the third place team in your division, mm-hmm. which is in theory set up to create rivalries, create some familiarity in the playoffs. So if the Canes were to not win the division, and again, they're only up by a point, even though they do have two two games in hand, then they would likely play the Rangers mm-hmm. in the first round, of the which playoffs. would be so it heated. does kind of and and if you don't remember, they lost. They were eliminated by the Rangers in the second round last year mm-hmm. in a seven game series and in just a, a weird playoffs for the Hurricanes without their goalie, where they could not win a road game. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of sort of bizarre. Yeah, it was strange. 
something had to they do. never really seemed right in the playoffs last year that everything was difficult for them yeah everything seemed hard for them yeah uh including getting past and, the and Boston they got and they beat Boston they who, beat Boston but it who, was by the way is on a historic pace this year yeah to set the league record for points like they're they're going bananas yeah, but you if if you remember from last year, it really was everything just seemed difficult for them in the postseason and eventually caught up to them, uh, and the injuries caught up to them against the New York Raiders. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. Well, what's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Can score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, ACC Network, ESPN. She is Kelly Gramlich, and she was up in the Crow's Nest at Cameron Indoor Stadium last night with an overtime loss for the Blue Devils. That means, Kelly, we don't have the Blue Devils, we don't have the Tar Heels, who were knocked out earlier. And we don't have NC State either, knocked out last week. There's no more triangle basketball, men's or women's. I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And I know there were high expectations on the men's side, of course, with North Carolina, um, NC State, and Duke both making the tournament on the men's side. But on the women's side, I thought the expectations were even higher. If you told me that there wouldn't be a, a single triangle women's team in the Sweet 16, I would have said, oh, my gosh, what went wrong? I mean, (laughs) especially for North Carolina and NC State, Duke was actually a surprise. Mm -hmm. The fact that Duke was the only team of those that hosted was very surprising. But heartbreaking losses for all three of them and all three, especially UNC and Duke, who made it out of the first round. Mm -hmm. They had every chance in the world to advance, but just couldn't get it done. Let's let's start with the game that you called yesterday at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It's funny. Both the men and the women had a really, really good record at Cameron Indoor. The men went undefeated. Mm -hmm. Uh, Prior to this game where they hosted, uh, they had only lost once in a game to North Carolina. There's no shame in that, obviously, knowing what we know that Courtney Bangart's got going on in Chapel Hill. But I, I, for me, this is almost like a, a building process for Carol Lawson, the head coach. 2020 will throw out. They opted out because of COVID. Nobody's going to blame them. Uh, it's how she flipped a losing conference record into finishing tied for second in the regular season and hosting these games. Just where are they now? Uh, are they ahead of, a, ahead of schedule? Does you know Transfer Portal make it so that you can turn it around like this, the way Carol Lawson did? Where, just where are they right now after three years of that program? Yeah, I think they're ahead of schedule, and I agree with you on COVID. If if you opted out of COVID, I'm not really going to count it because I, I don't, you know, you didn't play. So the last two years, they barely missed the tournament last year, but they fell apart towards the end. They had a chance to make it, but they definitely weren't near the top of the league. And then this year, they have a chance to win the regular season on the final day and just lose a heartbreaker to North Carolina, as as you mentioned. But they host, and, and they're hosting when NC State and UNC aren't. So I think they're definitely ahead of schedule. The key is going to be Kara Lawson has really embraced the transfer portal since she got there. And honestly, that's what I would have done in COVID because you can't get out and see players. You can't get out and get in, get in recruits houses and all this. So might as well use the portal of, of some more proven players. She does have a top five recruiting class coming in next year. That's going to be my question is, can she hit on some of these big recruits and start to truly build a foundation? Because I, I think Celeste Taylor's moving on. She does have another year, but she's going to probably be a first-round pick 
in the WNBA draft because of how she can guard. Um, and then they're going to lose some other seniors as well. I like Reagan Richardson a lot. They're bringing her back. I think they can build around her. But the recruiting is going to be really interesting to see how she can build that foundation. And I assume she'll go to the portal a little bit as well. But I would say as of now, even with that heartbreaking loss last night, Duke is ahead of schedule hosting in just Carol Austin's second full season. Kelly Gramlick, ACC Network, ESPN, joining us here on the OG on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. That's Joel Vius. I'm Joe Giglio. Kelly, I love to tell people, hey, if you miss the old ACC and men's basketball, just watch the women. You got yeah, way more exactly. continuity. You have these teams. You have a lot of really good teams, too, though. I'm wondering, though, Kelly, like, has Notre Dame finally gotten back to where they're probably going to be, assuming that they're healthy and looking at some of their recruiting classes and look at what Jaden Ivey's doing up there? Yeah, so first of all, I totally agree with you, and that's something I tell people all the time. If you want old-school ACC vibes, watch the women because the parity is great. You've got players that are staying for sometimes five years, so you know the players. You've got some healthy rivalries. You've got some great coaches. I do think Notre Dame is on its way back. It might not get back to where it was when it first joined the league when it was going undefeated because I think the rest of the league is better. That's the main thing. But Neil Ivey's doing a great job. And what's unfortunate is for this year, they made the Sweet 16. They're out two starters. Two starters have knee injuries. One of them is Olivia Miles, who is an All-American and was the runner-up for the ACC Player of the Year. She's just electric. So I'm not sure how far they can go this year without her. She's not going to play for the rest of the season. But I think next year is very interesting for Notre Dame, assuming Olivia Miles is healthy and they're bringing in a really good recruiting class as well. Niel has picked her spots to use the portal. She's done a good job with that. And just a reminder for some people who might not realize that South Carolina senior class, basically everybody who starts for them except for the point guards are moving on. So as much as I think South Carolina is probably going to win it this year, I think next year is going to be a much more wide open landscape and Notre Dame would be a team that I would have filling in and moving into some of those top spots. Kelly Gramlick, ACC Network, ESPN, joining us here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. We, we talk about the, the toughness factor of it, and I agree with everybody here. The, the, the ACC on the women's side is the continuity and top teams going up against each other, and that's what gets us to North Carolina. Tough out. It's, 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 mm. ama- it's amazing that they actually had the comeback staged in the fourth quarter without Deja Kelly. Deja Kelly yeah. then gets brought back after an apparent knee injury, and then she hits this game-tying shot. With about nine seconds to go, of course, we know how the rest of that is. Uh, Ohio State comes out with the victory. But they're bringing back their four key starters for next year, at least last time I checked. And this is, I guess, what Courtney Bangar has been trying to build towards as well. I mean, they were good this year. i got to imagine they're going to be even better next year and presumed favorites. Yes, you would think so. Now, they had some some injuries this year that I think prevented them from getting on that host line. When Usty was out for a couple weeks, they lost a few games they shouldn't have. McPherson wasn't able to come back until uh, halfway through ACC play. I think she's going to be really good. What I love about UNC, and maybe this is just the old school side, Courtney Banghart has built completely through recruiting, which I love. That class that's going to be seniors next year that also have a COVID year, by the way, that was her first recruiting class. Deja Kelly, Todd Williams, Usby, and she's hit on all those players. It was crazy at the end of the game. Deja goes out. When Deja goes out, I'm thinking this is a wrap, right? Hmm. UNC shows such grit to get back in it. Kennedy Todd Williams made some huge plays. Deja hits that mid-range. 
And J.C. Sheldon for Ohio State just hits a crazy shot. She's a really good player for Ohio State. I thought the play call at the end was interesting. If you're going to lob it up to Usby, I understand going to Usby because you have so little time left. She's your best athlete. But you have to be, you have to be sure that whoever's making that pass can make the pass because you couldn't even get a shot off at the end, and, and that was kind of brutal. But overall, because of some of the injuries and the inconsistencies, UNC didn't get to host, and so you have to go to Ohio State. That place was packed. Ohio State's a really good team. It just shows the importance of hosting in the women's game. That has to be the ultimate goal for North Carolina next year. And if they do that, then I think they can definitely make a run. And finally, that gets us to State. Obviously, they had some turnover on the personnel side, and Diamond Johnson with the injury there too. But I look at State in December, and they're beating Iowa, and I'm thinking, oh, well, Mm -hmm. Wes is just going to keep on keeping on. It didn't turn out that way, though, in the second half of the season. The Diamond Johnson injury was really tough for them because she got hurt around Christmas, came back for a little bit, and then got hurt again. It just felt like they didn't have much continuity there. And, look, NC State, that team was a Final Four team last year. We all know it. They had to go to Bridgeport. Yeah, yeah. We all know the story. But you lose. <laughs> it's like, Kelly, let's not relitigate that one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. That, that was a Final Four team, though. And then you lose those four starters, four of the greatest players in the history of the program. Kunane, to me, is the greatest player in the history of the program. So you've got to reload, and that's just so tough. And I I picked them fifth in the ACC to start the year because I knew how much all those seniors meant to them. So the fact that they still made the tournament, pushing through Diamond Johnson's injury, heartbreaker by Princeton, finding a way to hit that shot. They were down to, I think, seven healthy players. Still a solid year for NC State, but It'll be interesting to see what West does in the portal in the offseason. They're bringing in a McDonald's All-American, who I know they're excited about, but they've got to have a little more depth, I think, especially if they have injuries again. But I assume Diamond Johnson will be back and will be healthy. That will be really big for NC State, and they should be back contending um, in the always-loaded ACC. Kelly Gramlich, ACC Network, ESPN, here on the OG, alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Obvious. All right, well, that's a wrap for basketball season. What is it, spring ball? We we uh, we we waiting on Dabo to say stuff to keep the uh, needles moving. You want to come to a Carolina Hurricanes game? It's playoff time here in the Triangle. On to spring ball. We've got Mac and I have our football podcast. Anybody right. wants to check it out? It's time basketball. Well, it's not really over. We still got some games to watch, but after that, yes, on to football. I think. All right, Kelly. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you later.